0: Hello and welcome to the New in Chess podcast. My name is Raymond Otten. I'm the publisher of New in Chess. Today I speak with Ivan Sokolov about his new book, Winning Chess Middle Games with 1E4 Structures. The New in Chess podcast is divided in three parts. My colleague dirk den Geusendam does the in-depth interviews with chess players and coaches and other personalities. And he has spoken with Peter Sviedler about Tata Steel Chess and Coach Ramesh about the rise of India as a chess nation. The second part is audiobook excerpts from The Essential Sosonko. That's a massive book of 800 pages with all the stories written by Gennady Sosonko for New In Chess Magazine. And we've recently published the first part about Tony Miles. It's a wonderful story. And the third part is book author interviews. I've spoken to Gavrin Koyasevic about his book on Ding Liren, Ren. And today I'll talk to Ivan Sokolov about his new book, Winning Chess Middle Games with 1E4 Structures. Okay, back to the author interview. Ivan, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thanks a lot, Remeld.
1: Uh, fine. This day started very well. I am uh, actually having a very busy day because uh, tonight I'm flying to Bucharest to uh, well have my regular training job at Romanian Chess Federation. And I was uh, yesterday in Papendal, I was giving some training session to most promising Dutch young players. So yeah, life is busy.
0: It it sounds like you're a full-time coach now. Is that that true?
1: Yes, yes. I'm a full-time coach. I sort of had a career switch at the end of 2013, so basically 10 years ago. And uh, well, at the start of it, let's say, maybe 2000 until maybe 2016 I was still playing two or three tournaments a year now it is very little I play rarely and I'm occupied as a full-time coach and well also I do uh, stuff like writing uh, books making chess courses making uh, videos and this kind of stuff.
0: Okay you were very successful as the coach of Uzbekistan winning the Olympiad um, in Chennai and now you're the for the Romanian team?
1: I started my uh, work as a coach well, end of 2013 in the Emirates because at that time uh, Salem, Abdurrahman Saleh, was uh, just a young, promising grandmaster. He just became a grandmaster at the time. And they invited me to come over there and to, well, improve him as a player, which I basically did because in 2015 he became Asian champion individual Asian champion, which, uh, well, never before and never again happened to anybody from that part of the world. And I stayed there until uh, the summer 2016. Summer 2016, I moved to coach Iranian team, mm-hmm. which was interesting for me at the time, because Iranian team at the time had the players like uh, Alireza Firuja, Parha Maksadlo, Mohammed Amin Tabata Bey, who were all boys uh, like 2,400 rated
0: yeah, but still boys.
1: Still boys, uh, they were all like very young, like 15, 16. And they were like 2,400 rated. Uh, I was even younger. And it was interesting work. And I stayed there until uh, the start of 2019. And during that time, they became very strong, strong players. And then uh, I had uh, some sort of a small break. Then 2021, I... Uh, I actually at the end of at the, at the summer 2019 I moved to Abu Dhabi. I was working there in Abu Dhabi chess Club. it was not it was nothing special nothing uh, demanding I just wanted to have a nice relaxing job for a period of year and a half mm-hmm. and okay then I moved back to Netherlands at uh, something like May 2021. And then, year 2022 was Olympiad, and I was approached during the Sharjah Masters when I was a commentator. I was approached by a uh, vice president of Uzbek Chess uh, Federation, Mr. Dudaleev, and I was asked that whether I'm willing to coach the uh, Uzbekistan team. And uh, it looked to me like an interesting, challenging situation, because I could relate their team to the Iranian team in a way.
0: Also young and, and ambitious.
1: Yes. Correct. Young and ambitious. Okay, they had Abu Sattarov, Sindarov, so all those very young, ambitious people. And, uh, well, I went to Tashkent, and we had some training sessions, and then I went with them to Olympiad, and it worked out very
0: well. What's, what's the special secret? How did you make a team out of that group of boys?
1: It usually helps when people are ambitious and they're young. It helps a lot. Why? Well, because, first of all, they are very eager. You don't have to. Sometimes, bizarre situation comes when people are uh, older in the team. I had these experiences that uh, it's, they are not very eager to play sometimes and they are not very eager to take risks. Uh, when people are, are young, it is much easier to make a team out of them. Uh, also, they are very much focused on their game and uh, ambition to perform the best. And some other human factors, you know, like. Uh, jealously or something like, like this is not exactly playing a role. It is much easier to make a team out of them.
0: Okay. That's interesting. And of course they know who you are because you are an exceptional player yourself. You, um, had uh, the one of the last series tournaments you played, you had a 2,900 plus tournament result. You beat Anand, Kramnik, Kasparov over the board. Which one of those victories was the most, imp- most special to you?
1: Well, uh. People, of course, they know my victory versus Kasparov. Okay, this is sort of... Uh, 28 moves. Yes, this victory sort of brought me more fame than winning uh, some classical tournaments. It is uh, quite funny, but this is, uh, this is uh, the way it is. However, I like more uh, my win versus Anand in 96. I like also very much my win at uh, Tata Steel, or was it Chorus at the time? I don't remember any longer, versus Kramnik. I can say Super Tournament.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I like very much my win versus uh, Judith Polgar in a whole in, in attacking game. Let's say if I would be thinking about my uh, most memorable wins for me, those would be those uh, three games from a chess perspective. Game versus Kasparov, it is for me very memorable because it happened to be Kasparov. But yeah. uh, uh, from a technical chess perspective, actually, those are the games that I think are... Uh, extremely interesting, and uh, well, I like very much how these games went, because versus Anand, it was a material, imbalanced game. Queen, I had a queen, he had uh, light pieces, and then I sacrificed the rook, and I got the winning attack. It was a very dynamic game. Versus Kramnik, I won game in attack, and versus Judith Polgar, it was a, a sacrificing attack that I won the game. So, let's say, from the chess technical perspective those are the games that I enjoy the most and from a sportive perspective of course game versus Kasparov is having its own uh, place in my memory
0: when you start coaching in Iran or in Uzbekistan do do the players already know these games or do you use use them in one of the first sessions to just show who you are
1: majority no people they knew my games majority of those people they they knew my well actually they knew uh, those victories Sometimes they do not know exactly the, the games, but they knew definitely who I was. The situation is, of course, that I'm now a much better coach than I was in 2013 when I started my coaching career. For a simple matter of fact that I have much more material.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, one more question about your coaching before we go to the book. You coached Viruja when he was young, and he will play the candidates. He qualified. Do you think he's a future world champion? Well, I
1: basically said from uh, when I was uh, working in Iran, at that time he was in Iran, and okay, they had this number of young players. So I expressed opinion at that time that uh, out of young Iranian players, he is the only one that has, uh, well, a reasonable shot, a reasonable chance to become a world champion. Uh, at that time, of course, people like Praggnananda and Gukesh, Abdusattarov, they did not exist. I mean, they did not exist in a, at a scale they are now. So, at that time, I would say that his chances were probably bigger than today. Because does he have a chance to become a world champion? He definitely has a chance. But does he have a chance bigger than, let's say, uh, Abdusatarov or Pragerananda or Gukesh? Well, I don't think so. I think that actually it is uh, very likely that some of those mentioned boys have... very reasonable chance to become a world champion. But uh, it is very difficult to be, let's say, a bookmaker and to try to assign the percentages.
0: <laughs> okay, that's true. But do you think that Ferruccia can win the candidates? Or is it, will it be Napo and Caruana, the old, the old, almost the veterans of this tournament?
1: Look, he definitely can be the candidates. But also, for example, okay, can Gukas win the candidates? You can also ask uh, this uh, question, right? Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he can win the candidates. I mean, if he can share a first place in the Vikings, he can certainly win the candidates. Can Prague win the candidates? You can also ask uh, this kind of question. Let's say if you asked this question to me about one year ago, I would have said zero chance. But uh, something which... uh, did change in the style of Pranaranda, and I think it was also visible not only in Vaikantse, but this is evolution during the last maybe six months, he became more of a risk-taker than he was.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that important?
1: I think if you want to win a tournament like Candidates, it is kind of important. Maybe Gukas is taking even more risks than he should. This is another kind of, uh, okay, extreme. Mm -hmm. But it is sort of... uh, important, Firuja is still developing as a player. I would personally expect uh, this to be the fight between three of them and Caruana. Interesting. I would be very surprised, very surprised if some of the other players get involved in a fight for the first place.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. Okay, back to your book. You recently published Winning Chess Middle Games with 1e4 Structures. It's called Volume 2 because there was already a book with the same title published by you in 2009. And that was mostly D4 structures. It's a wonderful book because, especially for club players, the important part about opening preparation is understanding the middle game that follows. And this is one of the first books that really um, covers that topic. What made you think about this book 15 years ago to write Winning Chess Middle Games?
1: Well, 15 years ago, somehow, when uh, I got an offer from... Actually, I didn't get an offer from Allard Hochland to write a book. It was not an offer. More or less, uh, uh, I got an idea to write a book. And then I talked to him. He was running New In Chess at the time. I talked to him like, okay, whether it would make sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, at that time, I was an uh, active player, of course. Uh, but I felt that I was... Uh, even though I was having some good results, like, for example, European uh, individual 2009. I won the tournament and then I lost a rapid match to uh, Jobava, but but without the rapid match, I had the best uh, tiebreak. So I was still doing very well as a player. But uh, I felt that uh, my career as a player is coming to an end. And then I wanted to start focusing on something different. And I thought, well, maybe to write a middle-game book, looks like a decent start. And uh, at that time, since I was a still active player, uh, I found, found it easiest to associate this book and the pawn structure with the structures that were coming in my games. Mm-hmm. And since I'm a D4 player, it was a natural choice. So I decided at that time to divide that book into, well, four basic uh, pawn structures, so double C pawns, but not double C pawns from, let's say, Vinaver, but double C pawns from Nimze Indian. Yeah. Uh, then pawn majority in the center, which at that time was actually slightly less popular than today because, uh, well, this uh, all this fashion of a semi-Tarash came a little bit later after the book was written, mm-hmm. though it was still popular at the time. It was usually coming then from Petrosian variation of Kasparov variation of a Queen's Indian. Isolated pawn I took, And isolated pawns still at that time, and also today, vast majority of isolated pawns are coming from D4 systems. And hanging pawns in center, again at that time, and also today, still huge majority of hanging pawns in center are coming from D4 systems. And uh, so I had these four basic uh, pawn structures, which I thought were somehow reasonable at the time, and it was a very successful book. I'm still, you know, happy with this uh, book, though, of course, uh, time has passed. And, uh, well, now when I go with modern, let's say, Stockfish 16 at a modern computer, of course, Engine is uh, refuting some lines. And, but I would say that uh, the general opinions that I express in this book and the general rules still hold. This did not change. So let's put it this way. If I'm going to make an update to this book, it will be update concerning some sort of variations that uh, obviously modern engines see better and are more precise and can refute better than well, fifteen years ago, because fifteen years ago, I think when I was working on that book, my laptop was running on I think Intel third generation, <laughs> yeah. and I was and I think I was using computer program Ripka, which was somehow considered very strong at the time.
0: It was, yeah, it was the best at that moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So okay, obviously, if I'm going to write update, and I think that I will some many a lot of things would have to change when it comes to concrete variations because simply stockfish is much stronger
2: yeah
0: but it's good to hear that the that the general ideas are still valid
1: yes the general opinions i'm not going to change because actually general opinions are absolutely still valid so to people who are going to let's say buy this book today they can actually well they can run their own direct variations analysis on their own computer or uh, on a cloud, but uh, general opinions still hold.
0: And and now you have published volume two. It's about E4 structures. Why did it take you so long, like 15 years in between?
1: Uh, It took me so long because, uh, okay, this uh, first book uh, was a success and it was clear, let's say, after two years that it was a success. It was selling very well. Uh, I was still active player, and to make a number two, actually I knew much less about different E4 structures at the time that I know today. Because after I started to work in 2013, people that I was working with, well, Salem, uh, Firuja, many of them were E4 players. And I did invest suddenly a lot of time, to st- because as a active player versus uh, E4, during the last 25 years, I was playing only E5. And then starting to work as a coach and with a different E4, predominantly E4 players, I started to invest much more time. And well, then sometime about uh, two years ago, three years ago, I felt that I have enough material and enough experience and enough knowledge that I can actually write such a book and that uh, such a book can be useful to club players and to be a success
0: yeah i understand that because um, it it really makes a difference if you have the experience yourself um, even as a as a coach this podcast is brought to you by dgt the chess innovators DGT introduced digital clocks to the chess world at a time when only analogue clocks were used. For over 30 years, DGT has been making the official FIDE chess clock, endorsed by the World Chess Federation. DGT clocks are the world's best-selling chess clocks, the standard in chess timing and used everywhere. To find your nearest DGT dealer, please visit our website at dgt.nl. You're going to make a lot of people happy with this volume too because uh, they find the openings that they play in the book. But of course, you had to leave some out. How did you decide on what to include, what structures to include in the book and what structures to leave out?
1: It was a tough choice. I decided somehow to include uh, the structures that uh, I had the most problems understanding as a player. Mm-hmm. This is somehow, this was my... Guideline and maybe the structures that I thought majority of them will also have a problem understanding as a play. Like let's put it this way: if I'm going to write the follow up, then of course I will have to include structures. Let's say which are coming from Dragon, I would have to include Dragon. I would have to include uh, standard pawn roll in the Sicilian, mm-hmm. which I don't have in this book. I don't have let's say shavening and pawn roll. It is yep. not. It is not in the book. So these kind of things I will need to include. I will need to include, let's say, maybe some aggressive pawn role which you have in a Karakan. But uh, people who are, let's say, uh, club players and trying to become a stronger player, players, a lot of this, they can be helped uh, also by engine and the theory. Like, uh, okay, if you study Dragon, of course you study Dragon, but concrete play is very important. While, for example, if you are studying uh, Hedgehog, and I do have Sicilian H- Hedgehog in this book, I put it as a reason, mm-hmm. you can hit on your spacebar, and the engine is going to give you a plenty of 0.40 options. Yeah. A lot of those options. You can pick up Marozzi Bind, which I also have in the book will be something similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can pick up, let's say, French Wienerwer, taking on C3, and in many positions it will be something very similar. That engine will be actually bombarding you with a different 0.30, 0.40 moves, which still does not necessarily help you to understand plans.
0: I see. Uh, So that's really interesting. So you chose structures where there's a lot of options available uh, and no clear-cut path, So it helps for a club player to understand the plans instead of concrete variations.
1: Yes, this was my sort of, uh, let's say, guideline. And also I picked up uh, Double f pawns Rouser, Sicilian, because it is also a kind of area if you would be busy with your computer, engine will give you different kind of lines. When are you supposed to push F5? When are you... Uh, you need to understand when are you supposed to do it when are you not to and again understanding these kind of lines will help you a become a better over the-board player but also will help you in your opening preparation because all those stuff which I was now mentioning if you understand this, uh, let's say, type of ensuing positions, this should also help you opening preparation because you will be then in a driving seat. Let's put it this way. You will then be leading the computer instead of computer leading you.
0: Because you understand the timing of a palm break.
1: You understand timing of a palm break and you understand what you are trying to achieve. And of course, well, then you are going to ask engine for your for a support <laughs> in order to tell you whether you are right or whether you are wrong. But you would avoid situation that you are hitting a space bar and on the basis of result of the space bar, you are going to try to draw your conclusion. You would put the situation the other way around.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because if you know what your goal is, then the moves will follow.
1: Moves to follow or it's easier for you to be looking in a direction where you are looking for moves to follow. Or even if you are, let's say, hitting a space bar, it will be easier for you to understand why artificial intelligence may be willing to go into some direction.
2: Yep.
0: Okay. Did, did writing this book help you as a player as well? Are you, are you playing E4 systems now?
1: In some rapids, uh, and it's, it's, if I play some, some games over the internet, uh, okay. I, I sort of do in you know, practical games rarely because, okay, to start with, I almost uh, never play.
0: Yeah, But w- in, in rapid, what, what, what do you like? What specific openings are you enjoying? Well,
1: usually if I if I play Sicilians, I'm playing open Sicilians. Uh, also, in, in this book, uh, I did not uh, pick up any, let's say, anti-Sicilian structures. Mm-hmm. I was picking up only open Sicilian structures. And somehow, this is what, uh, what I like. This is also what I try to encourage uh, people who I coach. Of course, this is also a different kind of area. Like, for example, when I coach somebody who is... Uh, aspiring 2400 players I have this sort of like attitude if you want to play Sicilian play open Sicilian don't play bishop e 5 check don't play Alapin or these kind of things try to understand dynamics of the open Sicilian okay then once you understand these dynamics and you become I don't know 2600 players and you would like to for a different purpose to play anti-Sicilians okay then you can go ahead
0: okay those, but start with the main openings if you're a developing player.
1: This is my sort of uh, attitude as a coach, coaching different kind of... Devel- coached and still coaching different kind of developing players. Start with the main openings. So <clears throat> start with Open Sicilian, start with Spanish, uh, start with Nimzo Indian. Don't start with London. Okay, you can, you, Of course, you have to understand London, but you, you, you can do it later. Or uh, start with... Uh, isolated pawns which are coming maybe from uh, Queen's Gambit accepted don't s- start with the color system
2: yeah
0: I, I understand your point uh, wh- what is the target group of this book uh, what what elo range should you have if you uh, if you want to learn from it
1: this is very interesting question actually which I don't actually have exactly clear uh, answer to because I have written a book aiming that anybody who is, let's say, 1,800 and above is going to largely benefit from this book, clearly improve as a player from this book. But uh, having said that, I had a WhatsApp message from uh, a friend of mine who is 2630 player. I would not reveal his name. He played the Tata Steel. And who told me, he showed me a photo on uh, his phone, he just bought this book. He he bought an ebook version. Nice. And he said excellent book. <laughs> and he's twenty six thirty. So what,
0: yeah.
1: now, when you ask me, well, who is going to benefit from this? Uh, it looks like a lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, but I agree with you that um, anybody above eighteen hundred um, uh, can certainly enjoy this book very much, and it will be very helpful. But but for for when you're a beginner, it's not um, it's too advanced to be. to to be helpful as a beginner
1: yeah this is also what you define as a beginner because okay book is written let's say for a club players club club player is somebody who is 1800 let's say so the basic idea of the book is somebody who is let's say 1800 and he really spends time reading this book and learning that this person is very quickly going to be 2000 this is uh, the aim of the book or somebody who is also 2,200 is greatly going to improve and maybe, okay, become 2,350. This is, this is the aim of the book, and this is, I'm convinced, the book is going to achieve. But then if you ask me whether somebody who is uh, 2,450 is going to learn something new from this book, my answer would be yes, I I think so. Because I've got, like I said, I just got a message from somebody who is 2,630 yeah, still... telling me, well, look, this is a good
0: book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. There's there's lots of wonderful games and lots of explanations about those top games and tops and the uh, opening structures. As a coach, you are specialized in working with young and ambitious players who uh, probably will improve very fast. Um, are you are you still available for individual coaching as well?
1: Uh, not very much, actually. I have uh, worked with a few people, very few people in the in the past, when my schedule was a little bit uh, less busy than today. And, okay, sometimes uh, if I get requests from somebody who is very young and talented, I order honor this request, but it is rarely. I don't... uh, At at the moment, I have... uh, I'm working with three young people. I'm not going to reveal names. One is uh, 11 years old and uh, he's very talented. Another one is 14 years old and he's a Grandmaster. Both of them are from Western Europe. And one is close to 2,600 and he's from India. And this is uh, more or less, I don't do not have the time. I simply do not have the time to... So it has to be s- some special request and that I think that person is really talented, that has possibilities to improve, that I will do this. Otherwise, I'm really busy because I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have a job.
0: Yes, you have a job as a coach for Romania. Winning the Olympiad. Do you think you have a chance winning the medal?
1: This is going to be difficult. Uh, I do not think that actually that we have uh, at the current situation of that objective chance to, to win a medal, but we have a chance to to end very well. Okay. This is, I think, okay, what do I consider very well? I think if you play Olympiad and you end in a top 10, that you end it very well. And do we yeah. have this chance? We certainly have this chance, but I think to win the medal i don't think that we have objective chance to win a medal
0: okay yeah no there are, there are quite a few strong teams china india usa russia
1: uh, and uh, uzbekistan
0: and uzbekistan of course the, the defender <laughs> Defending their win. Okay, so if people, they cannot call you um, and apply for individual coaching, but they can read your books published by New in Chess and other publishers. And you're also on Chessable with courses, aren't you?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, basically, okay. Uh, they Yes, I, I, I did have a two opening courses on a Chessable. And, uh, well, my winning chess middle game first book is also the Chessable together with the recording, okay. and, and well, uh, there is an endgame course in the chessable, so I am also in the chessable, and I did, I'd also, I also do have uh, some videos on a chess base, so there is a lot of material, work which I have done during the past 15 years, and uh, okay, it is uh, available.
0: Okay, great. So, New in Chess published Winning Chess Middle Games with 1E4 structures. Um, the old Winning Chess Middle Games is still available and still valid, as Ivan explained. Um, and w- you're working on an update of the D4 book, uh, and that will be published later this year or next year, whenever you can find the time to finish it.
1: Yes, I'm working on this update, and uh, the point is that, well, many of those, let's say, direct variations, uh, they need to change. However, the problem is, of course, sometimes with the wording, how to change it. I would give you, let's say, one example. In my, let's say, Winning Chess Middle Games D4 books, a book from 15 years ago, let's say there is a classical game, very famous game between Botwinik and Schechhofer. And, uh, well, actually, strategy which Botwinik applied is very valid, and nothing will have to be changed regarding the strategy which Botwinik applied.
0: Which was the pawn break in the center, or
1: no, which was at some stage, well, uh, doing a trade in the center, in a double pawn, Sinoninzo, and exploiting square d5. Mm-hmm. This was a uh, Botvinnik's strategy. And nothing will need to change when it comes to this strategy and the general explanation. But the point is that, well, his opponent could have played much better. And uh, Botvinnik could have executed better. So this is simply there is nothing to be done because even though his strategy was excellent, chess remains a concrete game. Mm -hmm. And uh, nowadays, uh, Stockfish simply tells me different possibilities, which I was not aware at the time 15 years ago. And those are things which will need to be changed. Or I had, for example, one NIMSO game, uh, uh, Grigory Chivkov, from 1961, where uh, Grigory won with a great attack, it is still a great attack, and uh, nothing will have to be changed there. But uh, it could have been executed better, much better. Black could have defended much better. Yeah, yeah. And those okay, those yeah. things will have to be changed. So let's put it yep. this way. Yep. It will be experienced almost like writing a new book, yep. though uh, general opinions absolutely hold. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Ivan. Thank you very much for this call. And uh, we'll have uh, another interview when you publish the next book.
1: Great. Yeah. Thanks, Remelt. Have a great day. Bye-bye.